Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 31 of the Showbound podcast presented by Axel Watches. I'm your host, Michael Raskin, here alongside Barry Colts forward Ethan Cardwell. Cards, what's going on, man? Not much. Well, I threw in a quick Barry Colts. I haven't said it in a while. so I just Yeah, a little Barry Colts song. Why not? Why not? Let the fans know uh, where, where I'm playing. Um, but yeah, no, man, I'm just fired up, actually. Got my Manscaped in the mail today for the YouTube listeners who are watching. Got, so I got the package here. I was just looking at that. Super psyched out about that. Um, but no, man, I've been real busy. Just kind of rollerblading, working out, shooting pucks, hanging by the pool, uh, and a lot of golf. And I know we got a big day coming up tomorrow. Do you want to uh, fill the listeners in on what uh, what might unfold tomorrow morning? Yeah, Cards and I are going golfing with our potential golf sponsor tomorrow at a, a beautiful private course so we're excited but yeah it'll be it'll be good to golf with you cards we haven't done it yet um we might get a little content out there on the course and we got a nice early 9 30 a.m tea time so it'll be nice and uh nice and grumpy for you yeah no it's axel approved you're gonna show up there uh maybe maybe need a cup of coffee and you wake you up a little bit but who knows maybe you'll uh sleepwalk your way to breaking 100 we'll see <laughs> Yeah, if I can keep it under 100, I'll be pretty fired up. And, um, you know, the goal is get one birdie tomorrow. That's kind of the goal. So anyway, we we have to address it. I'm trying to act all cheerful, but I'm actually depressed. The Leafs lost in game seven, as everybody knows. Can we just get this out of the way and, and you just say your thoughts on it and we can move on? Yeah, I just think it's embarrassing that you're a Leafs fan. Um, it happens every year. Uh, you never learn. Uh, you guys are a joke. Um need to clean up your act. <laughs> Leafs can't win. Um, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, but it actually seems like that. It's been a, it's been a long time, man. And I, I kind of, I thought Montreal was going to win. I, I had that little fantasy game going on and I picked all Montreal guys in the, in the, uh, for game seven. I'm like, yeah, I know what, like, there's no way the Leafs are pulling this off. And I don't know, man, I think something needs to happen, but who knows? We've been saying that or not me, but you guys have been saying that for what 17 years now it's getting it's getting a little bit old so i don't know what do you what do you think you're a leafs fan you buy into the process well um, the thing is like think? a lot of people are like oh it's time to trade marner it's time to move out like get these guys out and like rebuild like what what are you doing like the people that say this sounds so stupid listen you know how hard it is to get a guy like marner like i know we just lost in the playoffs i know like tensions and tempers are higher whatever but those guys don't just come around you can't just trade and, and pick up another one of those guys they're 24 years old Marner and Matthews let them develop let them grow they're only going to get better and don't give up on the core I think and I think you can agree the core of the Leafs is incredible obviously they didn't get it done there needs to be some work done but I wouldn't blow up the team like all these Leafs fans are calling for it's it's insane you got to keep them together make the minor tweaks like you know continue to be a little more physical I think the physical guys we brought in were sick in the regular season and they didn't bring the physicality in the playoffs it was pretty soft in the playoffs so work on that but i think don't get rid of these good guys we, we're lucky enough to have these guys locked up for a long future so let's just keep them that's my opinion yeah i mean like i just well i also want to address the fact that we should say sorry to the listeners i mean well me first so <laughs> i think it might have been last week or the week before i locked vegas in game six i mean they won in game seven so I, I was right in the sense, but like still lost on the road game six. So I'm owning that one. And then me and Rask both got to own the fact that we called Edmonton Toronto pitiful call by us, but, but to back ourselves up, I'm going to say the fact that 
me first. I called Colorado Avalanche to win the cup. Raskin just piggybacked me because he knows I'm a genius and they look good. I'm riding them obviously. And I want to clip the fact that I said that when they win the cup. So then I look like the man. You know? I'll go and, back and, and pull that clip from, from months ago. I'm, I'm going to pull it cards and we'll look good, but I'm on exactly. the Colorado wagon, man. I I'm cheering for them. They're the team I want um, this year. They're, they're so good. And I want McKinnon to get one. I'm, I'm a big McKinnon fan. Um, I, I said before I had them losing to the Leafs in the finals in my bracket, but now now that the Leafs are out, Colorado's probably going to win. I definitely agree. One thing I saw a lot of people saying, um, which is pretty funny, uh, a lot of Leafs fans are saying they're just going to become diehard Seattle Kraken fans, like fresh start, new team, no bad history. It's not a bad idea, man. Dude, I heard that too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually was in the chiropractor today, and I heard the guy in the next door. He's like, yeah. I'm just gonna cheer for the Kraken next year. <laughs> so he's he's like I was laughing it up, uh, but it's actually like I don't know, man. It's a bit of a debacle here in Toronto. Fans are kind of getting sick of it, but hey, it is what it is. That's what you get when you sign up to be a Leafs fan. But um, the one thing I was like kind of wondering about is uh, I want to get your take on um, uh, this. Has been one that's been kind of going through my mind and everything. If you could pick a team, you're a GM. And you get McKinnon or McDavid. Who do you want? Oh, no. Okay. Right now, people are going to hate me for this, especially those Edmonton fans that keep ripping us on TikTok. But I, right now, I would say McKinnon. His numbers in the playoffs speak for itself. And I'll, I'll say this. like I'll preface it by saying, I think skill-wise and all that, McDavid's a better player than McKinnon. But I'm talking production- and physicality, I want McKinnon on a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup. And granted, if you put McDavid on that Colorado team, I bet you he also performs equally. Um, but I'd say right now, McKinnon. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and that's something I've been like kind of arguing to people. I'm like, like, the numbers are speaking for itself. Like McKinnon is guiding that young team with Landis Cog, Ranton, and those guys. They have that core. Now that line is just filthy. And obviously, you have to mention McCarr on the back end. It, it's silly and they're going to be nasty for a long time. And they got Newey there too, who we had on the pod. Another yeah, he probably wouldn't have made the team if he didn't come on the show. We gave him a big Re- bump. Realistically. And Laz and drinks might not have got a contract extension if, if he didn't come on the show. Yeah. We got to say that <laughs> Chris Lazary and Dave Drinkles are extended for the next three seasons. The week that they come on our show. I don't think that's a coincidence. And I might add too, man, like as soon as we had Clowder on makes the show, um tipper on played in the a last year full-time show guy this year have fets on again starts tearing it up in the a goes to the worlds now has a few goals there um who else oh we had Murr and jt contracts like yeah. i don't even, i don't even need to keep going because we had delhi on before the season started he didn't know what was going to happen with him great year in the show um Damiani stayed hot in the A, made the AHL All-Star team. So like no one's producing better players than we are. No, and that's what I mean. So I think Matthews and Martin might like should come on. If yeah, you know what? Spirit. That might be the difference maker for the playoffs. And and while we're on the topic, someone who's also an established known great player, someone we have on the podcast today. I want to mention we got Ryan Strom of the New York Rangers coming on in a bit. He's played eight seasons in the NHL so far. And uh, maybe after coming on the show, he'll probably have another 15 in his in his pocket after this. But um, he's an amazing dude. I just want to say, like, you'll get to know that from the interview. 
Um, even off camera, he's been amazing to Cardsy and I. So shout out Ryan Strom, but that's going to be an awesome interview that we're going to get to you guys soon. But let's, uh, yeah, you got something? Yeah, I mean, like, Stromer will probably get 100 points if they go to 82 games next year. Just like he came on the show. Great guy, means well. I mean, he's going to get 100 points. And he's trending that way too, man. Like, his numbers have been nasty. Oh, he's yeah. been a guy, like, just like since Edmonton, just taking off. And you guys will see, like, down-to-earth guy, like Rass said, means well. Super nice to us. Very cooperative with getting the interview done and everything. So, he was super happy to get this one out to you guys, and so are we. Um, I and mean, potential, potential golf content coming up with the Strom brothers. I don't want to promise anything. We're, we just joked around and talked about it. So it might happen. It might not. But he's nice enough to say that he's interested. So we'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> yeah, you know, keep the fingers crossed and we'll never know. We'll see. We'll see. Me and Rask are going to get a little taste of the, the partnership tomorrow. Share a cart maybe on the course. We'll have the divider, of course, for COVID because – God helps. We don't want to break any COVID rules out there. Uh, both vaccinated, we might add. But yeah, and outside on a giant field. But hey, let's uh before we get too sidetracked, I want to just touch on these other series. We talked about the Montreal Winnipeg, like how we both counted them out, and now they're in the second round. Who do you think is winning that series? Winnipeg. How many games? Five or six. Okay, I, that's what I like to hear. I don't like Montreal at all right now. Um, I'm oh, saying I'm gonna go Winnipeg sweep. Just because I'm angry at Montreal. So, yeah. But you know what? Listen to this. Now, Carey Price was Carey Price in round one. Just like can't score on him. But Connor Hellebuck's also really, really good. And Montreal struggled to score on the Leafs. But they don't have like a Carey Price, Connor Hellebuck type guy. Going against Winnipeg, who actually has a stud goalie. I think Montreal is really going to struggle to score. Yeah, I think it's over. Um, I think Winnipeg for sure. But... If you're a betting man, probably bet Montreal because Mia Rask are just botching the North Division series. Um, <laughs> another one I wanted to quickly touch on. I know we, we've been going a long time and people are here to listen to Stromer, but uh, I'm calling Boston now, too. I, I'm saying Boston wins uh, the New York Islanders-Boston series. Um, and then what's the other series we're missing? What do you think, Boston? Oh, Tampa, Carolina on the other. I think Boston as well. Boston's pretty nasty. Okay. Like I had them going to the third round anyway. Um but that'll be a good series, man. They do match up pretty well against each other. But yeah, the other series, Tampa and Carolina. What do you think? I got Tampa. Yeah, I have Tampa as well. Um, you know, they got the experience of winning the cup, the drive, the hunger. But you know what? Like, Carolina's pretty nasty. So I'll, I'll say that I would rather Carolina win the series. I'd love to see them win. Um, mm-hmm. But I do. I am picking Tampa in this one. So we'll see. Uh, now we can send it over to the Ryan Strom interview, but before we do, I just want to say that today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, our go-to for men's below-the-waist grooming products. And there's a Manscaped new product alert. It's time to stop, drop, and order this brand new shaving kit that they just launched. Introducing the Ultra Smooth Package, a specialized groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking about their new Crop Shaver, Crop Exfoliator, and Crop Gel. It's time to crop that bush of yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code SHOWBOUND. From the legends who introduced the electric ball hair trimmer, we now have the razor and set to get you trimmed front to back. Wow. Men, you no longer have to borrow your lady's razor for that precise trim. And I know Cardi just got his. They sent this to us. Uh, I, I got mine a few weeks ago, but Cardi got his. You want to show it to the camera one more time for the YouTube viewers? It's looking nice. Yeah. Beautiful packaging, I might add. 
gorgeous packaging. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to personally do a review next week too on how, on how my product was, because I might give her a try to feel fresh and be ready to go on the course tomorrow, get the airflow going, you know, just feeling, feeling nice. Maybe we should do a a personal, you go to personally shave a fan with the manscape products. How's that? We'll do We'll do a uh, random, random draw for everyone's comes and gets to play around to go off with us and get, and get manscaped from head to toe. By Cardi. Um, (laughs) Now, uh, I do want to add the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package is a three-step kit to make your package the perfect package. Step one, the Crop Exfoliator. Infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed, the Crop Exfoliator can reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Step two, Crop Gel. See where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. With four essential oils, it's like a spa treatment every time you shave. Step three, it's time to shave. The crop shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precision blades include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. The crop shaver is not your average razor. It's smaller, thicker, with a micro comb bar that allows for the best shave possible from any angle. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands. It's time to get up close and personal with the best tools for the job, the ultra-smooth package from Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SHOWBOUND at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SHOWBOUND at manscaped.com. Smooth it out, fellas, with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. All right. Man, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to to try it. I haven't tried it yet, but... It does look unique and Manscaped's kind of kind of crushing it, man, with all these new products like over and over and over. every week it's something new and they're uh they're the best in the business, man. Every week I feel yeah, like you said, I feel like we're getting new things at our house every week. So I'm super thankful. And thanks. Three month bonus. We could be getting a few or a three month contract, I should say. We should be we'll probably be getting a few more products. So I yeah, mean and, and for the <laughs> listeners, make sure you're using that showbound discount code who doesn't want 20% off and free shipping and you get to support us so we love it and we love you guys anyway let's send it over to ryan strom now all right we're pleased to be joined now by ryan strom of the new york rangers and stromer's looking good he's got the gaming headset on but how's it going stromer you're uh I'm good how are you guys now. yeah yeah in quarantine so just um you know trying to find a way to stay busy and um taking care of some stuff i i just actually uh finished building this house I'm in. So I have a bunch of stuff to do landscaping and some, put some boxes away and all that fun stuff. So staying busy with that stuff. Yeah. That'll, that'll kill the time. I know, uh, you know, we were talking before that you're, you're a bit of a gamer and you just said you bought a new gaming PC. So you want to, are you spending a lot of time doing that right now? Yeah. Uh, usually at nights, uh, fired up a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously during the season I'm looking for hobbies and stuff and it's, uh, yeah, pretty convenient way to stay connected with friends and stuff and uh, stay out of trouble too. It's nice just to stay at home and, and relax and take it easy. So it seems like everyone, everyone kind of picked up gaming again when quarantine picked up. But I mean, um, I feel like the last few years I've always, you know, been a pretty big COD player and stuff like that. So, um, you know, got to fire it up with the boys and, uh, you know, have some fun too. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, even in, in a year like this, where you're not allowed to just go to your teammates, your friends' houses and all that stuff. I guess like gaming kind of brings the boys together just like in, in the junior days, I imagine. Were, were you and the boys just kind of doing that to have fun together off the ice? Yeah, there was a, a group of us that played for sure. Everyone actually, I couldn't believe it. We had a pretty young team, but it's amazing how many guys actually play video games. It's like ridiculous. Like everyone brings it on the road and a bunch of guys started buying laptops and stuff like that. And some guys have like the briefcases with the gaming system in them. It was uh, 
we had probably like at least 60 70 percent of our team with gaming stuff on the road but we still play a lot of cards and stuff and like ping pong and stuff like that but i just feel like especially like you said this year we weren't really allowed to go out for dinner and have some fun so it was kind of just bunker down and play some vids are you uh i know you were like streaming a bit before but you ever play with any of those pro guys like on twitch and all that um no none of them actually i uh i played with a few guys that were like other athletes and stuff like that that were pretty good but uh but no one ever like no one ever like famous on Twitch or anything like that. I my brother's always in them. My buddies always wanted me to like tweet them and reach out to those guys, but I, I don't want to. I mean, those guys they probably get bugged so much by like random people. They you know they're doing their thing. So, which would be cool though. That'd be pretty fun, honestly. Yeah, that would be nasty. And I mean, we got a bunch to talk about here. And you you talking about a young team? I guess what we're gonna send it back to the OHL career kind of before we get going uh, into the pro side of things. So. uh a first round pick of the Barry Colts in that first season, you split between Niagara and Barry. What was that like for you? Just kind of going in your first junior season and uh, making that jump. It was tough, honestly. Like I was a pretty high draft pick and then I ended up getting traded. I, I think I'm one of the only guys to get traded their first year. That's a pretty high pick. It's pretty rare. So um, it was, it was tough at first just because we had such a good team. I didn't really get to play, but um, once I got traded, it was, uh, it was just night and day. I was like, went right into the top six in Niagara and, uh, played a ton. There was like five, I think it was, I think you're allowed five, 16 year olds. There was like five, 16 year olds. So ton of friends versus in Barry, there was only like one other 17 year old. So it was really tough just to, with the older guys and stuff. And, uh, it was just felt like I was at home and felt like I was like where, where, where I was meant to be. And, um, it was a good fit from day one. So, um, tough transition. I always say to people that I think going from minor hockey to the OHL is the toughest uh, transition in pro in your whole hockey career, even pro hockey. So, um, that's, that's the toughest jump I had for sure. Yeah, that's wild. And I mean, you had Marty on, uh, as your coach there. So, um, for us, me and Rask obviously know Marty pretty well. We had him on the pod a few weeks back and he was talking about you and that's kind of how things came to be for this episode. But, uh, how is he as a, as a guy and as a coach for you? Yeah, he was really good. We had a funny relationship because when I was 16, I was just begging for more ice time and pissed off. I wasn't playing. And then, uh, come a year later, I was kind of one of the go-to guys and stuff like that. So, we have a good relationship. We stayed in touch, uh, you know, pretty frequently. I'd say every few weeks, every, every few months. And, um, you know, we, we had a good relationship. I think he, he challenged me. He pushed me pretty hard. Uh, he kind of let me uh, develop into the player he thought I was capable of being. And um, we had a good relationship. So we had a ton of fun, too. He's a good guy. We, uh, we like to goof around. We had some older teams, and we definitely, uh, we definitely had a good relationship and a lot of good memories for sure. I think anybody you ask that played junior uh, – it, they'd say if they could go do it again, they would. And I'm, I'm certainly one of those guys. So Stromer, I, I live in Niagara during the hockey season. And, um, you know, you walk around the streets of Niagara cards and you can see like Ryan Strom jerseys, ice dogs, jerseys in the front of, uh, like in downtown St. Catharines there in the front of stores and all that. You ever been down and, and seen those Stromer? Yeah. I've wandered around downtown St. Catharines a few nights for sure. Um, it's pretty cool. Like we, we had some really good teams and I feel like it was kind of right when they were building the new uh, arena and there was so much like energy and, and support for the ice dogs. It was sold out every game. We, you know, we were one of the best teams in the league, I think pretty much my whole time there. So it was unbelievable place to play junior hockey. I think just the small town feel um, we, you know, we'd go out to the bars and stuff like that and everyone kind of knew you were there. And that's kind of a cool feeling when you're like an 18, 19 year old kid. So um, we'll it was a good, for, for yeah, we'll say 19, I guess, actually, technically Marty would be <laughs> pissed at that, but um, it was a good mix. Like the high school guys, there's a ton of kids. There's a ton of like people to interact with. There's like, once you get to university, there's Brock, there's Niagara college. There's a ton of people. There's you know, the casino. There's so much to do. Right. So um, great place to play. And 
um, you know, some of my best memories and my best buddies to this day are from, from those teams. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, you're an absolute legend in Niagara and, uh, like a funny, funny Niagara memory. I just wanted to get your perspective on one that we did talk about with Mario on his, on his episode was that I'm sure you remember that massive, like viral bench freak out by Marty after you got suckied in the face and, yeah. um, you know, he gets a just crazy moment. I want to know, uh, what was your side of that story? Like, how did that go down for you? What was your reaction when you see Marty just losing it on the bench? Uh, honestly, it didn't really like clue in kind of until like after I watched it on YouTube and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, that was, you know, he stuck, he stands up for his players, which is pretty cool. I think, um, you know, we were playing against Owen Sound, who was a pretty good team that year and a pretty big rival. And, um, I was, I'm pretty sure I was like in the scoring race with Joey Hishin too. And he's the guy that ended up punching me and, um, he high stick the guy. Then the ref didn't want to give him a four cause he wasn't cut, but I thought he was cut and, I was running my mouth a little bit and I took one in the, took one in the chops. So um, probably deserved it, but um, you know, the ref gave me a penalty, which was kind of, kind of, I didn't really understand that. I guess Marty didn't either. So he does a good job of protecting his players standing up for us. I, I, I have so much respect for coaches that do that. Even watching the game today, I feel like when coaches go nuts, when one of their guys takes a shot, I, I respect that because they have to have your back and um, good moment. Marty, uh, Marty went nuts. He was waving the finger, throwing sticks, going crazy. It was a, uh, it's a good, a good memory for sure. Yeah, no, it's a legendary video, and uh, it definitely defines Marty. Like that's he is the type of guy who'd stick up for anyone that he cares about, any of his players. So, got to appreciate that for sure. Now, I do want to talk about your NHL draft. I mean, similarly to the O, you were also a high pick in the NHL draft. You went fifth overall to the New York Islanders. And can you just talk, like, tell us about your draft day? And I'm also curious, did you kind of know being that high of a pick? Did you know you were going to go fifth to the Islanders? Did they talk like we're going to take you here? Well, I flew down to New York and the way it was, I don't know if they do it now, but like kind of the teams you're kind of uh, projected to be selected around, you kind of fly into those cities and meet with the management and stuff like that. So um, I flew to Ottawa. Um, I met with New Jersey. Lou Lamorello was the GM. They picked fourth for like probably like three, four hours. It was pretty intense. I was like kind of confused at the interview, but, uh, and then the Islanders, I flew down there too, for sure. You did like, we did a bunch of like MRIs on our hips and stuff like that. So I obviously knew they were interested and stuff, but uh draft day is crazy. Like you're so nervous and stuff like that. And like, I'm lucky I got to experience it with my brothers that I could be calm and kind of enjoy it because I feel like for mine, it was such a blur and I couldn't really, uh, couldn't, couldn't enjoy it as much, but uh, I had no idea. I thought I was going to go to Ottawa, um, at the sixth pick, but I was, I was thrilled. I was happy. I was pretty good friends with Tavares before that. And, um, to kind of be his teammate was cool. And, um, I, I love living in Long Island. I've spent, uh, you know, now with the Rangers, but a majority of my life living in New York. So pretty accustomed to the area and, um, you know, things happen for a reason and it was a good day though. All in all, it's pretty cool moment for my family too. You know, like I think my grandparents and, you know, aunts, uncles and everyone there is, uh, you know, just a, you know, huge payoff for a lot of hard work by everyone in my family, obviously. Yeah, that's unreal. And just one quick question before I'll send it over to Cardi, but are you aware of the New York Islanders quiz that they make all the prospects do? Did you have to do that? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, that was, I forgot about that. I did that, uh, I didn't do that in New York though. I did that like at the, in Niagara, like they came to the rink and all the draft eligible guys did it. So I actually talked to the one guy. I don't know if he still works there. The guy that like analyzes the quizzes or something like that. And he said that I scored pretty high in that test, whatever that means. I don't really know how you score high, but um, I scored pretty good. And he actually said my brother though, scored a little bit higher. He told me that uh, looked up the numbers like in the history. So I don't know like what they use it for, if they still use it or whatever, but yeah, there were some bizarre questions on there. Like, I'm pretty sure it was, would you rather read a poem or hold a gun? Like stuff like that. So I don't know what they're really looking for, but uh, I don't know. I guess I did well. Oh yeah. That was like me. I was in a blender doing that last year. 
just yeah mind spinning a million miles an hour and i don't know how you can score well on that because i feel like there's no right answer but i mean hey they they, they do their thing and they got a good player in you so i guess it kind of worked out for them but um we'll get into your first year pro now after after junior and you split that first year between the isles and and bridgeport and you put up uh, great numbers, 49 points in 37 games in Bridgeport that year and 18 points in 37 games with the Isles. So just going into your first year pro and producing good numbers at both levels, what was that kind of like for you? Um, it was good. I was kind of pissed off that I didn't make the, the Islanders, but I probably knew and I know now looking back that I wasn't ready and it was best for my development, but uh, it was good. It was good for me to go down there and live on my own. Um, kind of grow up a little bit, have a little bit of a stepping stone before the NHL because I know how tough it is to uh, step into the NHL. And um, it was good. I played really well in Bridgeport, got a ton of minutes, got to play first line center and um, obviously did well pr- stats wise and stuff like that. So, um, and then going up to the Islanders was great, especially at the end of the year, we had a ton of guys out for injury. So there was a great opportunity for me. And um, they kind of said like, this is your tryout. You have, uh, I remember Gar Snow was the GM actually. He told me, he said, I got called up. I kind of went up and down a few times and I got called up. There's like 20 games left. And he said, uh, this is your tryout for next year. How many points do you think you can get in 20 games or something like that? And I was kind of like thrown off by the question, but I think I said like an insane number, like 15 or 16. And he like kind of looked at me like with his eyes like that. And I think I ended up getting like 15 on the dot and, um, which is kind of just lucky. And it's kind of the end of the year. It's kind of garbage time games and stuff like that. But, um, I guess, I don't know where I got that confidence from back then, but, uh, I don't know. I guess I, it worked for me then. So. <laughs> yeah, you, you had some jam going in there. I mean, yeah. that's a confident answer. I mean, it paid off in, in the long run there. But the, you said the OHL jump was a bit harder of a transition. So what was the NHL jump like? Or kind of describe like the AHL to the NHL. What's the difference in between those two leagues? Um, Good question. I think the NHL is just so much faster and so much more controlled, though. Like the AHL, like I, I've been sent down a few times after like, prolonged periods in the NHL. And I feel like when you go back to the HL, it's almost like playing like pickup game with your buddies. Like, like not, not that it's like that easy, but in the sense that like, it's just like so scrambled and like, you don't really know what's going to happen. Like everybody's all over the ice. Um, The passes aren't flat. Guys are running around a little bit more. And when you go back down, you're kind of a marked man a little bit versus in the NHL, you're trying to prove it. But when you're kind of a high pick or you've been a guy that's played in the NHL, you go down the American league, everyone's looking to take a run at you or kind of, you know, you know, take a shot at you, I guess I'm trying to say. So um, it, it's definitely a challenge, but uh, you know, the HL is a great league. I think teams need to utilize it more personally. I think guys get rushed to the NHL. I think it's a great stepping stone, especially if you have a good, good development system, but uh, it worked good for me. And um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for those, for those moments, looking back on them, even though at the time I was pissed off, I was there. It was uh, it, it was good for me. And it was a lot of good memories actually from those days. Yeah. yeah and I, I kind of agree with what you're saying with, teams rushing guys and it was cool what we got to see with the ohl players this year how they got to spend time in the ahl and you know many of them might be back in the ohl they're not ready to make that jump still and they're not eligible for the a next year and all that so we'll see how that goes but i know there there is a little bit of a talk about you know if they're going to change that rule and that some of those guys that are ready go to the a a little earlier but no i want to talk about like your time for the islanders you played four years there in the organization so just how do you find your time like on the island living there and and obviously on the ice off the edge was unbelievable. I love living there. It's a, uh, it's a really underrated place. It's a uh, great communities. Um, really nice. Uh, you're 45 minute train ride from Manhattan, uh, which is cool. Nice and close to home, um, eight hour drive. So my parents could drive down pretty much whenever, which is cool. And, um, it was good. I had a lot of really good friends there, lifelong friends. I'm still in touch with a ton of those guys. I, I, I know they're playing 
in the series right now. And I still keep in touch with them, which is cool. It's been a good core group of guys been on the ice was good too. I think, um, as a young player, there's always ups and downs. And I certainly experienced those. I think, uh, um, I have a few regrets from my time there. I, I wish I would have played more center there. I, they kind of played me on the wing and I was drafted as a center and when you're trying to find your way in the NHL and you're trying to learn a new position along with, you know, along with a new league and, you know, living your dream at the same time, there's a lot thrown at you. And I feel like probably could have managed it a little bit better, but I mean, looking back on it, those experiences have just made me, you know, better off today. And, um, you know, moments I wouldn't trade, but, uh, certainly a lot of highs and lows, but, uh, lifelong friends, good, good memories, good place to live, great fan base. And, um, I, I really think it molded me into the person player I am today. So I'm pretty thankful for those moments, even, even some of the, the low ones. Yeah. And you talked about John Tavares earlier. You just mentioned how, you know, you've known him for a while. I'm, I'm curious as, as a leader on your team there, how was your relationship with him? What kind of guy was he like? What kinds of things you learned? Just like, I'm a Leafs fan myself. So a lot of, a lot of just curiosity with him, but how was he? Yeah, I actually lived with him for two years. So we, uh, we got pretty close. I was kind of like the younger brother that liked to have fun and needed to like keep it on the tracks a little bit. And he was kind of like the guy kind of keeping me in line, but I think we were good for each other. Cause I think, uh, probably what you see is what you get. He's pretty serious and all that stuff, but behind closed doors, he kind of lets loose a little bit. And, um, I think I was good for him for that too, just as much as he helped me. And, um, he's just such a professional though. I mean, he takes care of himself better than any athlete I've ever seen. And he, he did it back then. And now when I see him in the summer times, now it's even crazier. He, he doesn't take a second off, doesn't take a minute off trying to get himself ready, get himself in good shape, get himself, um, the best chance to be successful. And he's uh, he's a pretty driven guy. It's pretty impressive to see. It's uh, it's honestly 24-7, whether it's like food or workouts or treatment, it, it, it literally does not stop. So, um, you know, that was great for me to learn from at a young age. I think nowadays I try to help some of the young guys out and I, I haven't, knock on wood, I haven't missed many games in my career, especially the last few years. I've played, I think, every game last four years. So I think a lot of the stuff he kind of helped me with is rubbed off and um, I've tried to t- put that in my repertoire and he's a consummate pro. He's a great leader, great captain, and, uh, and, a, and a really good friend. So yeah, good role model for sure. Yeah. And we see you got the massage table in the back there. So that's <laughs> straight at his playbook, keeping you healthy. He'd be um, proud of that for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so then you get traded to Edmonton from, uh, from the Islanders for, for Jordan Aberley. And what kind of went through your head when you found out you got dealt? Um, I was excited. I was ready for a new start. Um, not that I would ask for a trade or anything like that, but I just think that it kind of ran its course a little bit with the coaches there and, and with me and the management. I think it was just time for something new. And um, I went to Edmonton. I loved it there. It was a, it was a great place to play. Um, I loved the city. I loved uh, the guys in the team were great. Unfortunately, we didn't have quite the success we wanted. We were kind of a little bit hot and cold. And in that market in Edmonton, it's easy to kind of get on a bit of a down road spiral. So um, unfortunately, it didn't work out there. But I, I love my time there. I, uh, I always say to people, it was a great place to play. Super passionate fans, really nice to live. Nice to be back in Canada, too. I never got to live in Western Canada. and It was cool. We got to go to you know, Whistler and Banff and go on some cool trips and stuff like that away from the rink that I never got never thought I'd do before. So that was kind of fun, too. And um, great to play with McDavid, obviously a special player and see him up close and every day and get to know him was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, nothing but positive things about my time there. I wish it would have worked out, but eventually getting traded to the Rangers was the best thing that ever happened. So, I mean, uh, like I said, everything happens for a reason. So, yeah. And that's kind of, I was going to ask about that next about McDavid, your brother played with him there in Erie. So did you, uh, did you have a, a relationship with him at all before going into Edmonton? Yeah, I knew him a little bit just from, you know, hanging out in the summer, playing golf with my brother or whatever once in a while or coming down to hang out. But, uh, you know, getting to see him firsthand, just uh, 
again, a special, uh, a special player does what he does is impressive. He doesn't take a day off. He uh, competes 24 seven. He wants to be the best player in the world. Every second he's, uh, he's on the ice. And um, it was, it was really special to see that. And um, you know, I'm sure it's just only a matter of time before he eventually wins the Stanley cup because he's just too good. I mean, you watch the games. I mean, in my opinion, you watch any other sport other than maybe LeBron James and you watch him play. I mean, there's not many guys that dominate a game in their sport like he can do and pretty impressive. And uh, he's a great guy, great, good, good friend. Again, I've uh, been privileged to play with so many great players and good people. And he, uh, he's certainly near the top of that list. Who do you think he likes better? You or Dylan? I don't know. I feel like him and Dill were younger. So they've kind of, you know, got that bond from Erie, the junior boys. That's a, that's a good bond, but uh, we, we did have some fun. We, uh, I think the biggest thing he liked about me was I didn't really treat him differently, maybe because I knew him through my brother and stuff like that. But um, I feel like just because who he is, I would just go and mess with him and chirp him a little bit and, and have some fun with him. And I feel like I feel like that's the type of guy he appreciated that we did that. We used to play cards on the plane at Edmonton. It was literally just a riot on the plane. It was a good group of guys. And um, yeah, we had, we had good moments, good times. So uh, I don't know. You have to ask him that one day. <laughs> yeah, we'll get him on next. Um now you signed a two-year extension with Edmonton before the Rangers trade. Is that right? Yeah, I signed an extension. Then, like eighteen games into this into that deal, I got traded. So I didn't really expect that. Yeah. So how did that go down? And like, what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, I wasn't producing at the time. I was actually playing not bad hockey, but just wasn't able to score. Just snake bitten, like not playing great. And then uh, Edmonton was kind of struggling. I, I feel like the GM and the coaches were kind of on their last legs for management. So I feel like they needed to shake things up and. Um, luckily enough, I had a few, uh, few former teammates and coaches vouch for me to the Rangers GM and the trade happened randomly. I had no idea. I got traded at like, I think around one o'clock on the way to the plane to go play Calgary. And then, uh, went home, packed in my bags. And at like 7 PM, I was on a flight to Toronto and then a connection to New York. So things happen quickly. And I played the next night at MSG for the Rangers. So it's just crazy in the pro hockey, how quick it happens. And, um, like I said, ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me the first, First few weeks were a whirlwind. I felt like my life was upside down. I was living in a condo in Madison, in uh, sorry, in the middle of Manhattan, right across from the garden. And um, my my fiance at the time was still in Edmonton with our dog, and we had a house there. And it was just mayhem. But uh, once things settled down, it was a, it was a good fit, and got to live in New York. And and here we are. So I mean, I have a, a bunch of questions about the, being a ranger. But before that, even just you mentioned that the day after you're traded, you're skating out there playing. And what was that? emotion for you like how do you feel walking out and looking at the msg ice and you're playing already a day after like what, what's going through your head those 24 hours kind of it was crazy like honestly I, i'm pretty sure the flight was actually a red eye to toronto so i was sleeping on the flight and i was remember laying in the toronto airport at like eight in the morning waiting to go to LaGuardia or wherever i went to and i was sleeping for like an hour to get on the ground in the airport i'm like i gotta play hockey i'm like this is insane and uh but once you get to msg you kind of you feel like you're in the middle of the city and you get into the arena, you see like the Rangers jersey in the dressing room and, and Madison Square Garden and your adrenaline just gets you through those games. And um, yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough that the Rangers are just such a special franchise that I felt so privileged to play for an original six team. And I'm MSG was like one of my favorite rinks to play in as a visitor and then to be on the other side of it, especially like playing for the Islanders and having such a rivalry with them that it was almost like surreal that I got traded there. I ne just never, ever, ever thought that would happen. And then sure enough, you're out there buzzing around the garden. So uh, like I said, things happen quick and, and here we are. Yeah. And, and you really established yourself as an, like an elite NHL player with the Rangers. And I'd say the consistency is what kind of makes you more established because maybe that was something you were struggling to find before. So what's, what's changed for you 
since getting there? Is it confidence? Is it what you're doing in the off season? Like how, how have you become more consistent and more dominant? Um, that's a good question. I think I always put the work in, in the off season, even when things weren't going good, I always were trying to find new ways to get better. Um, whether it was changing what you're doing off the ice or changing the guys you're working with on the ice, like a- anything. I feel like I always was exploring new avenues to get better, what worked for me. And um, I think the biggest thing was just sticking with it. I think, I mean, when I got traded to the Rangers, I think I was only like 24, 25. So, I mean, I was still pretty young and um, still really confident in myself. And, um, you know, with the Rangers, I just felt like I felt a little less pressure too, um, not getting traded for Eberly and, not being a high draft pick, I feel like there was no pressure on me to perform. And I went in there and um, there were some, some injuries and some trades and I got a chance to play in the top six as a centerman. And that was the first time I ever played in the top two lines as a center in the NHL. It took me like 350 games to get that opportunity or whatever it was. So once I got it, I just kind of took the ball and ran with it and um, been able to play with some great players. And, um, you know, the coach has gone there now, but he gave me a great opportunity and we had a good working relationship. And it was interesting, like, all the other teams I've been on, I was kind of like one of the younger guys or a, a middle-aged guy. And then I get traded to the, um, the Rangers and I'm like one of the older guys they are kind of asking my opinion on things. And I'm playing, uh, you know, playing penalty kill and I'm playing power play and I'm going like, it's amazing how quickly your, your career kind of evolves. And um, I just think a combination of all those things kind of just all came together. And um, it, it's been a great fit. Like I keep saying. I, I kind of, I mean, I want to ask about Panarin because you mentioned playing with great players, but right before I just, I'm curious because, you know, I'm sure you had some maybe some issues with the coaches and the Islanders you kind of alluded to. Like, we don't need to get into it. But how how much does playing for a coach that you love, you want to play for, affect your game? Like, how how have you noticed that's made a difference for you? Yeah, honestly, like, I, I feel like that's part of it. I, I think that on the flip side, it's just a coach. I feel like having a coach that if you know he likes you and you you feel that he likes you and he, like, respects what you bring to the table, I think that's the biggest thing. I think... I think with the Islanders, it wasn't the fact that I didn't like them or they didn't like me. It was just a matter of I feel like they they wanted me to play a certain way and they wanted me to play on the wing, and I just feel like it wasn't really who I was. And as a young player, it's hard to it's hard to adapt when you've done one thing your whole life. I mean, every team I'd been on since I was six years old, I was like the top center and um, scoring points and you know putting up numbers and kind of doing my thing. And then you kind of you're asked to do different things. You don't know how to react. You're a young player. Maybe I was a bit stubborn. Maybe they didn't have the right plan for me, but I mean, it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. It's not just one thing. So um, yeah, going into New York, I feel like I felt wanted. I feel like I, um, I took the ball and ran with it and, uh, and I felt like they, they needed me and I feel like it was a good fit. And uh, you know, that goes a long way in a player's confidence and, you know, confidence is so much in the NHL and especially pro sports. So that was a, a big thing for sure. Definitely. And okay. So yeah, our Tammy Panarin, like I need to know what this guy's like off the ice. You got to have something funny on him, right? I got a lot of stuff actually. Me and him have become really, really close. Um, he's a, he doesn't say too much in the media and you don't hear too much from him just because he's a little bit, the Russian guys don't like to do the media because they're scared. They're going to say something wrong. Like they, the way they speak their, their English isn't like fully developed obviously. So they don't, they don't want to like say something and it comes out the wrong way. So they're very careful in the public eye, but Behind closed doors, I mean, the Russian guys are some of my favorites I've played with. They, uh, they're super, they're super uh, personable. They're, they're really fun to be around. They're funny guys. And uh, he actually called me probably an hour ago. He's in Russia right now. Uh, getting, he's partying a little bit, then getting ready to train. So um, it, was, it was weird enough you bring him up. He literally FaceTimed me like an hour ago. But uh, yeah, we've become really close. I care about him a lot. He cares about me. I feel like he, he's really pushed me to become a better player. I think he knew I had it in me and he sees the things I can do and he, he challenges me. He, he always tells me not to be like complacent and keep going and keep working. And he, I remember the first year I played with him, he'd always get mad at me that I wasn't 
passing it flat enough or hard enough and there's things like that. And I feel like that challenges you. And in practice, it challenges you to be better. And um, having someone similar to the coach, someone believe in you and kind of push you like that has been huge for me. And now we have a good trust factor and a good, and a good, uh, good little chemistry. And um, you know, he's a great, great person and a great friend. And uh, you know, obviously what you see talent wise is off the charts, but his, his, uh, his character is really high too. I mean, he, he cares a lot. He, uh, he puts his work in, he's, he knows what he needs to do to be successful and he, uh, he doesn't cut any corners and similar to McDavid and Tavares, I've been super blessed to play with all those guys and be friends with all of them. And, um, I've learned so much from all of them and all different things too, which is kind of the cool thing. They're all such different people, but such great players. And yeah, just kind of staying on the Rangers topic there. I know we talked about Panarin and everything, but what are kind of some of the perks? I know you talked about a little bit of the nightlife in Niagara and stuff, so I can only imagine <laughs> what it's like in New York. So what are, what are a few of the perks of playing, uh, playing for the Rangers? Uh, well, we've got to meet some cool celebrities and stuff like that, whether it's just TV show people or whatever. They actually sit in, uh, right behind the bench for the Rangers game. So you kind of look back and you look at the, it's called like celebrities row, I believe, or something like that. And you can kind of always see who's there. There's been like Gene Simmons, a few, like few crazy people that you're like, I never, ever thought I would see these people in person. And, um, and other than that, I mean, when the Rangers are going and they're buzzing, I mean, the dinner reservations are automatic. You can go to the best restaurants in the world at like a snap of a finger, which is pretty cool. And, um, yeah, everyone wants to hook up the Rangers and, you know, be the guy that kind of sets you up. So you're pretty, uh, you're living a pretty good life in, in, in Manhattan. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And not to mention, uh, you know, all the concerts and the Knicks games and whatever you want, really it's, uh, it's for your take. And so it's a, uh, it's a great city. And, you know, after playing there, you see why all the European guys want to play in a, in a market like New York, because uh, literally you get the hookups, Broadway shows, whatever you want. It's uh, it's at your fingertips and Manhattan's a great city and you got it all. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, we uh, we had written down about the PR guy, just kind of anybody really just snapping the fingers and you can go anywhere you want. So that's obviously pretty sick. You just feel like the man. And I know like me playing, <laughs> me playing in like a small junior market, like people recognize you feel pretty good. So I can only imagine what it's like um, in New York and seeing those celebs and stuff like that. But the the next thing we had here was Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere, is that right? Like I, I always kind yeah. of butcher. Yeah, I think, I, th- I think it's Lafreniere, Lafreniere, Lafreniere. I don't know. It's yeah, that's what I go with. I call him Laffy, so I don't know. Okay, so Laffy, what uh, what do you think of him? And then kind of like a lot of people have just been asking, like maybe a little bit of a slow start to his year, but uh, you you kind of um, you went through it as a high pick and everything. And uh, so, what was that like to have him on your team? Yeah, I mean, I think the pressure was a little bit less for him just because we had Kako the year before, so we had another high draft pick. So he wasn't like it wasn't like it was the first high draft pick in a long time. So I think that was a little bit easier for him. And um, honestly, he's a really good kid. He uh, slow start, but he actually I think he had like twelve even strength goals and not like obviously even strength, so not one on the power play. And like that's pretty that's more than I had even strength. And he, you know, he played some games playing like eight, nine, ten minutes for for a long stretch there. So he. Uh, he, he finished real strong. He, uh, he's got so much talent and skill and he's, uh, he's quite the character too. He's, a, he's got a great personality. He likes to have fun. He's a good kid. So, uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him. He's, uh, he's going to be, a, he's going to be a good player in the NHL for a long time. And I think it, you know, it credit to him for just kind of sticking with it, not getting too frustrated. He had a pretty good head on his shoulders. And the thing about him that I really liked is like, even when he was struggling, he was kind of the happiest guy when we'd win the game, even if he didn't score. And, um, even if he wasn't, you know, putting up big numbers to start, he was always super happy when guys were doing well. And as a young player and as, even as a high draft pick in a big market, that's not easy to do, but he stayed pretty true to who he was. I don't think he let too much affect him and, um, you know, credit to him. That's not easy to do, especially, like I said, in New York, it's a, it's a tough market. 
being in that big market, so much light got kind of shined on the incident uh, with Washington and Tom Wilson this year. And I know we had so many people ask about it. And me personally, I'm, pr- I'm pretty curious. I don't know how much you can say on it, but what was kind of your take on that whole situation? Uh, I, I don't know. I just don't think it was warranted. Like I think uh, I was actually one of the guys that had to do media the next day and I kind of just sounded off a little bit. I don't really care. I, 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 feel like, <laughs> I feel like I was pretty politically correct, but I got my point across, but I just think that like the whole play was completely avoidable, like from like him, like kind of going on the guy's head a little bit and, and then going after Panera and like, like once the whistle went, the guys were digging a little bit, but like it didn't need to escalate at all. And it kind of, it kind of had to for no reason. So, I mean, when there's a hockey play, I have like total time of day for, like Wilson and guys like that. Cause I know how fast things, things happen. Like a hard hits can be how fast guys are going. Like I, I have a little bit of a, not a soft spot, but I kind of get it, but a play that doesn't really have to do with the play much is kind of where I don't like appreciate those as much. And I just feel like there's other guys in the league, like Matt Martin, for example, I'm a little bit biased because I play with them, but like, you will never find him in a scrum, like roughing up a guy too much that doesn't want to fight. He's pretty aware of who's out there what's going on. And he, and he picks his spots. And I just feel like that was a time where the spot could have been picked a little bit better. And um, you didn't need to go after, you know, two Russian guys and me a little bit too, but, and then like guys that are obviously not going to fight him and can't fight him. I mean, everybody knows that he's a big, strong guy and he's a good player. And I don't know, that's kind of where I stand on it. It was, uh, it was unfortunate because our season was kind of dwindling at that point, And then that just kind of added fuel to the fire and it was just a frustrating few weeks. And, um, Everyone was kind of ready for our season end, to be honest. We dealt with a lot of uh, a lot of BS this year, and it was nice to kind of, you know, finish on a good note, winning at the last game of the year and standing up for ourselves in those fights against Washington. It was kind of a good uh, good note. So yeah, yeah, and that, that's another thing I was curious about. You being an older guy, and I know people asking. You said asking for your opinion in the room and stuff. So what was the vibe like there before the game? Was it a set thing? Like I, the guys knew they were going at the start of the game. There, what happened? Yeah, yeah I, I just think that like. You know, when when something like that happens to one of your best players and the NHL chooses not to kind of like step in and, you know, take care of it, I feel like they kind of put a lot of pressure on us. And I feel like that wasn't really fair by the league. But at the same time, I thought the guys answered the bell really good. And, um, you know, I don't think hockey's meant for that, like the complete brawling anymore. But at the same time, I think I think people love to see it. No one got hurt. I think uh, we I think we gained a lot of respect around the league from other teams from it. I, I said this in my interview too. I think a ton of credit to the Washington guys for stepping up because none of those guys really had to do that either. I think that's kind of like, you know, the little bit of the hockey code. I think a lot of our guys gain respect for their guys too, just kind of, you know, answering the bell, even though they probably didn't have to, if they really didn't want to and kind of moving on and just kind of taking care of it ourselves. I was proud of the way everyone handled it and, you know, put it to bed and move forward. And you got in one that game too, didn't you? Yeah, I, I'm not a big, tough guy, but I've had a few fights in junior and in the NHL, and I, I tend to see red a little bit. And when I see my boy get thrown around like that, I had to go. Oh, yeah. I, had to, I had to take a crack at somebody, and obviously I'm not going to hurt anybody. I, I don't have the, uh, the toughness or the ability, but I you know, had to do something. I just felt like you know, your adrenaline's going, you're just ready to get after it. And I mean, you guys have been there in, in games and stuff like that with one of your teammates or something like that that happens. You, you just you, – you turn into like a little bit of a different person. You just want to get into it. So like I said, though, credit to those guys for answering the bell. The Washington guys could have made us look stupid and we could have just dropped their gloves and you know chased them around the ice, but they answered the bell. And I think that's 
something that no one talks about, but ton of respect to those guys. One thing that just came to my mind, you mentioning not at too many fights or anything. What's, what's your most memorable fight or a fight that you feel like just stuck out for you or maybe one that you won in impressive fashion that you just love talking about. Maybe. Uh, I don't like talking about any of them because like I pick my opponents pretty smartly <laughs> and I pick my timing well, but uh, I, I fought in Toronto one time, which was kind of cool in front of like everyone, like my whole family was there and stuff like that. And I, I did well, so that was kind of good. And um, I feel like I've done well, and most of them I haven't got hit too hard, haven't got taken down. But I think, unfortunately, I fought Justin Williams in the playoffs last year, like the first shift of the bubble, and that was a crazy fight. Like I like cracked my nose pretty good. I think I got him pretty good, and I was bleeding everywhere. And I just wish there was like cr- like a crowd for that. Like it was it was unreal. The game was chaos, and it was a good fight right in front of the bench. And I'm sure you guys have been in scraps when you look over and you see like your whole team just like hanging over the boards, fired up. Like it's the coolest feeling in the world. So not a fighter. I'm a lover, but uh, when <laughs> push comes to shove, it's fun to throw down once in a while and uh, get your hands dirty. Yeah, um, definitely a good feeling. And for you um, with Dylan already in the league and your other brother coming up the ranks here, he'll probably make his way up to the NHL within no time. Would you ever go one of them if, uh, if the opportunity presented itself? No, never. I could never. I mean, we've gotten a few. The best chance for us getting in a fight is honestly on the golf course, not on the, <laughs> not, not on the rink. So, um, no, I could never. I honestly, I don't even. Lo- I don't even love fighting that much. But sometimes, at the same time, I just once you're in it, you love it. But I mean, it, it hurts. You know what I mean? As a guy that has to score and produce, I mean, your hands get banged up. I mean, you get knocked in the chin. I mean, your neck and your chin hurt for a few days. Like it's not like those guys take a lot of take a beating. So. Um, I would never fight my brother. It's actually a funny story about Marty too. I fought a few times in junior and one time a guy got hit and I jumped in and was being a big tough guy sticking up for him. And Marty called me in his office next game. He said, I don't care who you are on our team or where you are in the league and scoring or something like that, or where you're going to be drafted. But if you fight again, I'm scratching you. He threatened me. So uh, I didn't fight for a few years after that with Marty. So he, uh, he calmed me down a little bit from a young age, I guess. Oh, that's funny. That's great. Are those jerseys in the back? Are those what jerseys you got in the back there? I wish I could spin my computer because those are from the brick tournament. Okay, that's my thought. Yeah, so we won it, and I was like the MVP that year. So my dad like did it like all up, and then but on this wall here, I actually have like my Barry draft, my NHL draft, World Juniors, Niagara, OHL, CHL. Then I have like all my NHL ones on the other wall. Like I, I did it did it up pretty good when I moved into my house. I have like all my first goal pucks and like. I actually only had one five goal game ever in the owners when uh, Connor Chris played in net. I don't know if you guys remember that happening, but he was a player for Erie and he uh, had a separated shoulder and the goalie got hurt like first shift and they threw him in net and he played as a, a player in goal. It's like on YouTube. It is the craziest thing you'll ever see. And I scored five on in that game and people were like shredding me, but that's, that's, that's a chintzy five goal night, but Hey, it pads the stats. Hey, no replays on the, or no replays yeah. on the, no, they don't sheet. ask how, right? Like yeah. <laughs> all about that stats page in the, O. so now Stromer, I wanted to talk a little bit of money with you. I know we were texting out a bit, but you know, you've made so many millions in your career. I think you're making, you're on a $9 million deal right now. So I don't know if that's good, but have you made any like, <laughs> big purchases that uh, maybe you regret at all? I don't know. Um, I would say nothing I regret. I feel like uh, I'm pretty smart with my money. Um, I bought my parents some cool stuff. Like I bought them a, a car, um, golf memberships and stuff like that. that that's kind of like was my payback gift for them. But in terms of me, I like, you know, I got a nice, nice cars and stuff, but pretty modest at the end of the day for uh, a 
hockey players are all kind of like that. So um, my probably my biggest purchase was I, I bought this house and then I rebuilt it from the ground up. So that was my biggest splurge, I guess. But that's also a pretty smart investment. So I, uh, yeah, you know, sure. I've been pretty smart. So let's let's talk investments quick. I know, uh, you know, Gavin Group is a sponsor of our show and you work with them. So you want to talk about like how they're kind of helping you manage your money and teaching you, especially from a young age, um, you know, how important it is to set yourself up for life after hockey. Yeah, I knew that was a segue question and I, I realized halfway through I was giving them way too much credit, but uh, <laughs> no, they, they're great. Like, honestly, like I remember the first time I went into their office, they were like, the first thing he showed me like a little presentation and stuff. I'm like, no, this is great. And he's like, I'm like, I don't know though. Like, you know, financial guy, like, what do I, whatever. And he's like, how much do you think you spend a month? And I like, I kind of thought about it. And at the time I was like 19, 20, I'm probably just spending money in Toronto on the weekends at the bar, really nothing else. And I was like, I don't know, like not that much. And then, then he told me and it was like at least double of what I thought. And I was still living at home with my parents and I'm like, that's crazy. Like, and then it kind of like all started clicking for me and, um, you know, growing up in a pretty, you know, modest upbringing, my parents worked hard for their money and, you know, putting us through hockey. And I think I just realized how important it was. And I, I, I think I've, you know, I was pretty realistic. I think sometimes to my, my fault, I'm just looking at the worst case scenario. And I'm like, what if my career ends like tomorrow? You know what I mean? And, um, I feel like they've been able to just kind of keep me on the straight and narrow. And, uh, every year we do a big financial review. We have goals, we have, uh, monthly budgets, investments, literally everything laid out in a pretty simplistic form. And um, they do an unbelievable job at doing that. I would literally recommend them to any guy that is looking for help, uh, you know, professional hockey player or not. I think they do an unreal job of also being able to communicate on a personal level, not talking like stuff that you don't understand. It's pretty personable. And um, without them, we would be, uh, I would be totally lost, honestly, for my finances, but I got a good financial goal in mind. I know what I need to get to, to, you know, pretty much do nothing the rest of my life other than play golf and kick the feet up and, uh, just trying to work towards that. Yeah. And, and the Gavin guys are, you know, they're former hockey players themselves. So they get it there. Hmm. They've lived it. And I'm, I'm curious, like, do you do anything with crypto? You, you look into that at all? Funny enough, you asked like probably like three, four, three years ago, maybe I texted the Gavin guys. I was like, this sounds pretty cool. I want to get into it, whatever. And they're like, honestly, like we're supportive of whatever you want to do. Like the great thing about them is, is like, they don't say no to anything. They'll kind of give you like advice, feedback, their opinion, but they can't tell you not what to do or not to do at the end of the day. And, yeah. uh, but I actually like had like a, a little thing, but then I kind of just stopped doing it. I, I don't know why I didn't really. I kind of did more research and I'm still, and I'm more skeptical of it now than I was back then. And I kind of missed the boat on making like a lot of money on it, but honestly, I'm, I'm not really angry. At it. I still think that the crypto thing, like, I don't know, I, I can see it going either way. So I've kind of stayed away from it. And um, with, with having to put money into a house and pay for a wedding and trying to set my life up for the rest of my life, I don't really have like a ton of money to, you know, just not gamble with, but I don't know. I feel more comfortable putting it in places more of a guarantee, I guess, which is, a bit of a politically correct answer, but I guess that's just the way I am. No, it's, it's smart. And you know, you're a good role model. Cause like we have a lot of OHL guys on the come up, like friends of cards, friends of mine and stuff that are, that listen to the podcast and for them to hear that sort of thing. Um, it's really important, man. And it's so like, you don't, no one wants to talk about like being smart with your money when you make the NHL. Like I can definitely appreciate how you're smart with that. And you look at your cap friendly page and you see, you got like a good almost 20 million, I think so far. So it's funny you say all your expenses, but I think you're, you're, that's why you're not too worried about missing out on like the Bitcoin boat there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like there's, there's a ton of places to make money. And I, honestly, like, I don't, I'm not trying to get rich. I just don't want to work for the rest of my life. If I don't have to, I want to try to let my parents retire, like just do simple things. Like I'm not trying to do anything crazy. So just keep chipping away at the goals. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's so important though, because 
I saw it firsthand, like guys, like their careers, some guys, you think they're going to be studs. They sign a two-year deal. And then like two years later, they're playing in like Europe. And I'm just like, it kind of scared me a little bit because you never know what could happen. But um, having those guys kind of working with you just makes you feel comfortable and confident. And, um, you know, lucky enough, the career path has been successful as well, which has kind of helped that. But it's a very important thing that I feel like a lot of people overlook. And I feel like there's a lot of guys like looking in their pockets when they're done and being like, oh, where did it all go type thing. So you got to be careful. And Rask, I think like a lot of our viewers and maybe guys that we know or who have signed contracts, maybe should stay off Betway and stuff like that. <laughs> that's, that's where a lot of the money could be going. Um, yeah, the pandemic wasn't good for a lot of those things. The online casinos. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you get into trouble with, but you got to have fun too at the same time, right? Like if you do, like that's what Gavin's great at. They do, um, they do allow us to go on some pretty nice vacations and you know, I've had some nice purchases and, you know, some watches and stuff like that, that, you know, at the end of the day, you do, you do have to enjoy this life at the same time. And you, you know, you worked hard to get here, so you got to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, what's nice watches. I just got to throw in axle watches are some of the nicest watches I've ever seen, but, um, cards, you want to take it away with some fan questions? Yeah. And overwhelming amount of fan questions this week. I know we keep saying like more and more fan questions, but I feel like we're just getting bigger and bigger. And obviously with such an established show guy here this week, um, a lot, a lot to talk about, and we've covered a lot, but uh, the fans kind of want to know a few other things. So the one that we start off with every week, what is your stick and what is your specs? Um, I use a, uh, I use warrior. Um, I've switched around my whole career, but last like three years, I've been pretty consistent with the warrior and I use a, I think it's like, I think it's 85 flex and I have it custom. So I don't have to cut it down because I used to hate cutting sticks in the O. So I got them to make my sticks like to the size and the flex. I don't have to cut it or do anything other than tape it. And I use like a pretty much a basic stack of curve, maybe a little bit. I work with like Adam Oates. So he's got a little bit of, I got a little bit of the Adam Oates curve on it. He's got a little bit of a special touch that he likes on guys sticks. So pretty basic stick though. Honestly, I haven't really changed my curve from like the Naslin to the Sackick since I was like 10 years old. So pretty, pretty basic. Okay. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Um, which of, uh, between all three of you guys, um, who has the nicest hands? Your brothers, Your brothers. just to, for the listeners. To, yeah. Uh, it's tough to say. I would say one of the other two, to be honest with you. I feel like they have, uh, honestly, I feel like my youngest brother actually probably has the hand-eye coordination the best. He can like bat pucks down and he's kind of good at the net front where me and me and Dill are a little bit more perimeter guys, passing guys and stuff like that. But, uh, I don't think any of us are like, uh, you know, YouTube sensation, like uh, stick handling over cones doing all that stuff. But, um, you know, if there's a move, it's weird. Like the, I feel like the new, like good hands in the NHL is just making like sick passes and stuff like that. Like you don't see too many guys dangling. It's just, it's too hard of a league to do that unless you're, it was McKinnon or McDavid or, you know, one of those guys. So, yeah. Um, obviously you gotta be a bit silly to be able to pull off those moves like they do. And that we didn't have this one, but I'm curious who's the best golfer. Um, me for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could definitely get beat on a day. It would be hard, but they could. I mean, one out of 10 or 15 beat me, but I'm a, I'm a decent golfer. I, I take a lot of pride in it. It's a little tough now having a, having a kid and stuff, but I st- my wife still lets me get out a pretty good amount. That's my uh, number one summer activity. I, I could play every day if I could. This is crazy. I just remembered. I played with your dad um, probably three years ago. I just came to my mind at uh, Sherry Bassin's golf oh, tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wooden sticks and we got uh we got paired in a scramble together so actually that's pretty funny so you beat him 
Yeah, I beat him for sure. Yeah, he he yeah. bunts it around. He gets it done, but he can't hit it too far. He's he doesn't move too well anymore. But uh, he he's actually pretty good for his age and his handicap. So he does all right. Yeah, he he made a few clutch putts that day. I remember our team played really well, so <laughs> we got it around. But what? Uh, where where are you a member? I remember at Credit Valley, which is just a course in Mississauga, uh, like 15 minutes from my house, and great little course. Got to, a ton of young guys there, which is awesome. So we can meet my brothers and. Uh, a bunch of guys we can play with on any given day. It's a unbelievable uh, summer activity. Like I said, if it was if if there was more time in the day, I'd be out there for thirty six a day, no problem. But yeah, that that course is sweet. I've played it once, and I know a few of my buddies, like competitive golfers, play there. Obviously, good players coming up through there. But uh, we'll keep going with hockey stuff, I guess. Uh, who's the best chirper on the Rangers? Ooh, we don't have a ton anymore. We got rid of uh, D'Angelo and Lemieux. Those guys were my, two of my good buddies, and those guys really could could run their mouths. But uh, I would say the best chirper now. I mean, Lafreniere, like he doesn't like chirp guys, but he's pretty funny on the bench. He's got a pretty good sense of humor. He was chirping Wes McCauley one night towards the end of the year, and like I don't think Wes McCauley knew how to react because you know he's a pretty young guy. He was just <laughs> shredding him. So uh, he's he's pretty funny. But honestly, our team was pretty quiet all in all. I I, I personally love when the Russian guys get mad because they, they their English goes like kind of scrambled with Russian, and they they see their face goes all red and crazy. So the Russian guys do make me laugh, and they start chirping though for sure. Yeah, are you still a big talker out there? Not as much anymore. I just feel like I. I kind of understand now that like you can't be a talker if you're not going to like fight as much. So I, I pick my battles. If someone says something to me, I'll say something. But in the O, it was like I was just I was running my mouth a lot. But I mean, times have changed, I guess. Yeah, and that's what I, another thing I was wondering because in the O, obviously you're the best like best player in the league. You're fifth overall pick, and you're back there. You're playing against sixteen year old Schmelz and stuff. Like what? Like you're just giving it to these guys or what? Not really. Like I've always been a guy that like, if unless someone says or does something to me, I'm not going to just go pick on a guy. Like I'm not a pest. Like I have no interest in that, but I mean, if a guy says something or tries to do something, I, then I'll, I'll let loose a little bit, but I definitely got a piece of humble pie during, uh, during playing in the NHL. You, uh, so many good players. I mean, you run your mouth, you look like an idiot and especially if you're not going to back it up and, and fight. So I pick my spots and I honestly don't say too much anymore, especially playing more minutes now, being a more prominent role. You got to save all your energy. So I leave that for the other guys. Yeah. And did you ever have a, like a welcome to the show moment? Not really. I got, I can't remember who was playing, but maybe like my fourth or fifth game, I got hit just so hard. I got like an elbow, like square in the nose. And one of those ones when your eyes are just watering and you're just like, Oh my God. And um, there's some big boys out there. And I feel like when you're young, it, it happens quick, but the game slows down. I feel like year by year, it, mentally and just like you know being a, a bit of a better player in the league and um yeah it's definitely uh it's definitely gotten easier year by year yeah for sure and any any game day superstitions or special routines you do nothing too out of the ordinary there's always quirky stuff with the sticks and stuff like that but i just try to you know try to eat healthy try to get a two-hour nap hour and a half nap and you know do my thing i'm pretty pretty relaxed at the rink i don't play soccer or anything like that just kind of grab a cup of coffee and usually just go actually I do a lot of chirping off the ice to like the trainers and the and the boys but like on the ice not as much so I usually just run my mouth before the game and try to piss people off and fire people up a little bit and make sure everyone's having fun and staying loose yeah it's not a bad tactic and I mean which uh which goalie did you score your first goal on and how did it happen I'm pretty sure it was uh Kari Lettinen but I could be wrong it was against Dallas uh 
puck just squirted free on a power play and I was on the like kind of the weak side and just had to kind of like a quick rebound and put it in. I, I don't even remember if he's the goalie or not. I have it on, I have it somewhere written down on one of these plaques in here, but I, I can't remember who the goalie is. I think it was him, but it took me like 12 games to score the goal or 10 games or something like that. And it was crazy because the next, we played a back-to-back and we were flying to Toronto to play the Leafs. So between scoring my first goal and my first game in Toronto, like my phone died in like 20 minutes after the game. I remember I had no battery going to the, going to the plane. So a good moment. And first of, uh, yeah, it took a while, but it, it was nice. You know, it took, you, you play your whole life to get your first goal. It's such a special moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we talked about the garden being one of your favorite road rinks at the time. So now which would uh, be your favorite road rink in the league? Uh, probably Montreal. Uh, Montreal's unreal. Really good ice there. And like, it's just old school feel. And like, I feel like you go in there and uh, it feels like almost like, you know, sometimes it's like hockey night in Canada too, which is still pretty cool. And then um, the other one is Vegas. Now Vegas is pretty unreal. My parents actually got to come down. They actually, we got to play Vegas and Chicago played Vegas like the next game. So my parents did like a week road trip and got to see both both me and my brother and uh, that rink is just ridiculous. It's so loud. It's like the warm up you burn, like you're sweating after warm up. You're just flying around the ice like full speed. So yeah. uh, that's a, that's a great barn. What about the? It's the road trip that makes it the best part, right? The road trip is fun too. I mean, like you go into Vegas, you're getting like a world class restaurant, and the boys are like sometimes playing some hands on like the night before the game. And I've even seen a few guys after morning skate slip into the tables for for an hour. So it's uh, <laughs> it's just a good vibe, you know. You're in a completely different spot, and then you, it's like nothing to do with hockey. Then you get to the rink, and it's just like absolutely great hockey fans, super passionate, super loud, and it's a it's a sick place to play. Honestly, they've done a really good job. Yeah. And Rask, there's the boys might need to talk to Gavin there, give it, get a little allowance before heading down there. For the yeah. Just, just the per diem, just the per diem we're gambling with. That, that's that's gotta be why Vegas's home win percentage is so high. Eh? Like it's gotta be. Yeah, we've actually, well, the one year actually was uh, we played Vegas, then we had our like five day break after that, so the boys got to blow it up. I think we saw chain smokers at some like crazy nightclub and indoor outdoor like just mayhem so there's been some good nights there we had a rookie party there too which is fun so uh yeah it's a good place to go to you need that a little bit you need some some stress relief during the season and uh you know great way to uh you know have some fun with the boys yeah no i definitely agree and uh i mean cards we got anything else we want to say here before we kind of wrap it up we've been going a bit no i mean i think we've touched on a lot we've kept stroming here long enough so yeah, I just want to say, Stromer, I'll, we're going to send you an Axel watch like I texted you about, so you're going to be looking nice rocking and walking into MSG with that thing on you. But, man, we appreciate you coming on. This is It's a lot of fun chatting with you. Maybe we'll, we'll get Dylan on here at some point, and, and we'll see who's the better interviewer or interviewee. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on, man. No problem, guys. I really appreciate you guys are doing a good job. I listened to the, uh, the episode with Marty, so I had a little bit of uh, – I knew you guys were going to maybe ask about. So uh, keep doing a good job. This is good stuff for uh, for hockey fans and kids coming up, and uh, keep doing your keep doing your thing. All right, thanks, Stromer, for that one. Um, great to have him on the pod. And like we said before, he's looking at a 100-point season now that he hopped on showbound. Um, Rask, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's just a great dude. Uh, it was really cool talking to him and just hearing about guys like Tavares, McDavid, like Panarin. And I'm excited that the listeners get to hear those insights from a, from an established NHL player. So it was definitely good to have him on. Yeah. Uh, just so listeners know, that was Rask's third try at that, at that take there. And this is episode 31. We're supposed to be getting better at this. Hey, you had a like... second try taking it out of the interview too. <laughs> this, yeah, whatever. It's, whatever, getting whatever. Late. <laughs> it's getting late. We're getting tired. We got to be up early to golf tomorrow. So 
you know, we've been at this a while. <laughs> what what I'm gonna do actually, Rask, is I'm gonna go have a nice bath, enjoy my manscape, and then I'm gonna hit the bench press just so I'm hitting the ball like like a mini Walmart by you tomorrow. Like I'll be airmailing your ball by about 70 yards. And I can't wait to show like the people who are following on Instagram and stuff, like because we're gonna have content. So Stay tuned to just watch Rask get his ass whooped on the course tomorrow. <laughs> well, you know what? Since you mentioned the Instagram, we never really plug our social media and stuff. We have a lot of listeners that don't follow us. You should, man. We post good stuff on the Instagram, on the Twitter. So Instagram is at Showbound Podcast. Twitter at Showbound Pod. Super easy. Go follow us and search Showbound on YouTube and you can subscribe to us there. And, you know, we post the videos. If you want to see Stromer talking to you, like in the face, looking at you, then go to the YouTube Showbound. And this guy actually had a mic on, like headphones. He was legit set up. So I suggest everyone goes check out the YouTube too. We're also close to 500 subs. Oh, we said it at uh, the end. Everyone who's listening isn't even going to bother because they already just heard the whole episode. But for the next one, for next week. Yeah, <laughs> next week. We're, we're only like we're only like 60 away from 500 subs too, which would be kind of cool. Let's get to a road to 1,000 subs. Show yeah. down to the moon, maybe. Oh, yeah, let's get it. Um, that's that's kind of all we have. Cards, you want to take it away with the usual outro? Yeah, I mean, we don't have much to say here at the end. Just obviously, thank you, Stromer, again. Great interview. Great to talk to him. And like Rass said, an established guy. And we're looking to get a few more of those guys coming in the, in the next few weeks for you guys. I know you're enjoying it. Um, but I don't know if you're enjoying it as much as I enjoy kicking Rass's ass on the course right now as you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> or maybe I, I'm already done enjoying a nice beverage on the patio while Rask is crying in his cart, but um, I'm looking for my balls in the forest right now. Yeah, Rask is uh, taking another lap around the course to find the 18 balls he lost. But <laughs> no, we're uh, we're gonna have a fun round tomorrow, and uh, I hope everyone can enjoy the sun this weekend. It looks to be uh, a lot of hot weather, as I'm now a meteorologist, and uh, low breeze, uh, small chance of showers. All right, thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>